this isn't really my thing, but God's put it on my heart. I'd like to share something with you. My family, well, I've been traveling around the U.S. quite a bit for, uh, for work, seen a lot of places and things. And this last week, my family got to go with me, and we went to Baltimore. And so it was a great trip. We saw the aquarium. I, I worked. That was cool. Um, but God, I mean, we, we saw Fort McHenry. The kids had fun. We went swimming. We were so blessed. That is a dark place. The whole time, I just felt just evil, just darkness surrounding us. I was scared. It was awful. And we were having a good time. God protected us. He looked after us. But it was just... Um, it was dark, and so we got to walk around downtown Baltimore and uh, go to the aquarium and see some things, and, you know, we had our guard up the whole time, at least I did, and I came to a church, you know, you didn't see a lot of them, I mean, you see a lot of, like, old churches that are now doing something different than church, right, but I saw this church, and they've got this beautiful rainbow flag outside, right, and they describe what the rainbow stands for, and it's not God's promise, I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And so, I mean, we were at the aquarium, and I could just, you know, it, this place is old, it's beautiful, the brick, everything is so amazing, but when you, you look down the, the alleys, you look and you see the people, you see just oppression and depression and evil and just awful things, and I want to do something about it, you know? I want to I help, I want to make a difference, but I don't know what to do. And it was so dark, I just, I almost didn't even feel like praying for him. felt so lost. So finally, I mustered up the strength to pray about it, and uh, we're in, like, the bottom of the aquarium. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's, like, multi-stories and stuff, and I'm in a dark place on a bench. We've been walking around all day, and I, I start praying for these people, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not me that's going to make any difference at all, right? It's God that's going to make the difference. But there's no actions that I'm going to take that are going to, you know, make a difference. All I can do is be obedient. I can, I can do whatever God wants me to do, um, and, it, and it just, it be, I got this image of darkness around the United States just closing in on us. Ohio is, you know, we've got God here, right? In this church, right? I mean, we're blessed. I felt like when I walked in through that door today, I felt like falling down on the ground and kissing the floor. I was so relieved to be home. God is here, but we are under attack. And it's coming from the outsides of the U.S. It's approaching us. It's scary. And it's not this oppression. It's not this... It's not this, like, uh, persecution. It's not the evil one coming at us to fight us with our fists. We can't just go headbutt him. He's, he's lying to us, like Joe said. He's lying to our churches. He knows the Bible better than anyone. And he's tricking us. He's bringing us these false messages, these false te teachings. He's tickling our ears. He's telling us that it's okay to live in sin, right? It's okay to... Uh, do these things that are wrong if it makes you feel good. It's like saying, you know, if I'm obedient, the Bible tells us if we're obedient, we'll be blessed. He'll, he'll bless us. And blessings should make us feel good, right? Therefore, if we feel good, we are doing God's will. That is not good logic. That is wrong. And so the, it's subtle, though. The devil, he's trying to trick us. So I, I, I just want to give us a warning, okay? You go to your Bible. It's not just a book. It's not just paper with words. It's unlike any other book ever created. It is the Word of God. It is truth. It is our foundation. Be discerning and take, uh, you know, when you hear Pastor Ralph talk, you hear YouTube tell you these great messages, 
always go back to the Bible. It's truth and you can be protected from it, but you know, we, we're not going to go and take some political action to save Baltimore. We're not going to go necessarily start a church and save Baltimore, maybe, but I mean, that's, but we need to protect ourselves. That's the message I got. So I just want to caution all of you, just hold on to that Bible just as tight as you can. Read it, read it, read it, read it over and over again. That is truth and that is where we're going to be safe from this darkness that's just sneaking into us, the whispering of the devil in our ears. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you, Seth. Praise God. You know, we, uh, Scripture talks about various individuals that were called to bring a warning. Um, we, we live in a time and a day and an age that there are things that we must be aware of that um, we have to guard ourselves against. And some of it is a message that is being promoted um, on our TVs. Uh, in our media, uh, you very seldom ever hear a uh, a message that promotes individuals that are doing uh, good. There are there are great things, good things that are being done every day around the world. Individuals that are serving and uh, uh, laying their life down for others, and yet you see very little of that promoted in our media because it just doesn't sell as many papers. Uh, well, doesn't even sell papers today. You know, there's, that's a, a new thing. But anyways, we have to be aware. Uh, this week in our time of prayer and fasting, what a great week. Thank you guys for coming out this week. We had um, by far our best um, week of attendance for prayer and fasting um, in our seven years here. And we had, uh, we had 45 one night um, that came out for prayer. Uh, and so throughout the week, we had over 50 people that, were, uh, that had made it out this week, uh, at least uh, over 20 every day that was here. And so it was a wonderful time of prayer. And, and I hope that you found great value in these, these scriptural prayers that we placed throughout the, the sanctuary. You know, <laughs> some people thought, oh, it's just so many. How can you pray them? Well, I, I'm not really intending you to pray every single prayer in an hour. Because these are spaced throughout the entirety of Scripture, and they really were meant to help open our eyes up to everything that we can pray for. Um, sometimes we struggle because we think, Lord, how in the world can I possibly pray for an hour? Have any of you ever thought that? How can I pray for an hour? Okay, <laughs> And it's because we're, we think, I have to talk the whole time. Now, let me just tell you, if, if that's ever a thought process, you could start at, at door number one over here, and, and you could take up an entire hour just reading all of these prayers, if that was what you need. And if you did that, every one of these prayers are, in, are accompanied by a scripture. They're all, all these prayers flow out of God's Word. So you could take an entire uh, hour just praying God's Word, and it would be something significant in your life. Now, if that's your path that you take, great. But I believe that we need to be individuals, men and women, who know how to pray, who know how to get on our faces before God. Isaiah 55, 
verses 8 through 11, says that my thoughts are not like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for a farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it will always produce, it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. See, that's God's word. When, Joe, thank you for getting excited at God's Word. You know what? When we begin to declare God's Word over our situation, God promises that His Word will be effective, that it will accomplish everything God intends it to. Now, if you want a surefire way never to see a prayer answered in your life, don't pray God's Word. Because when you set God's Word in motion, it begins to do something. God's Word is living. That's your first blank there if you need that information, if you have those sheets. But God's Word is living. It is alive. You cannot escape it. I've got all three of them on one page because I go through these quick. God's Word is living. It is powerful and active. And it's working to accomplish God's purpose. And so when we begin to read God's Word, when we begin to pray God's Word, God begins to set in motion things that uh, the heavens are working to accomplish. And so we should get excited when God is moving. When we pray God's Word, there should be this preparation that begins to happen in our souls to receive that which God is going to do. In the last few years, the uh, you know number of research organizations have been researching prayers, people that are praying. There are different groups out there that send out surveys in different sections, and uh, one of the groups found that fifty-five percent of the people surveyed prayed at least once a day. So that's not bad, right? You pray at least once a day. How many of you pray over your meals? Okay. So you've, you at least pray once a day. You're praying for safety from the foods that you eat. How many of you pray outside of meals at least once a day? Okay. Book of Thessalonians says that we are to pray without ceasing, which it doesn't mean that we're constantly talking, although some people feel like that's what they do. It's not about never shutting up. It is about being in this position that we are in this attitude of prayer that at any moment, if Jennifer were to come to me and say, Pastor Ralph, um, I have this situation, can you pray for me? Man, I don't have to start churning the, you know, the engine to come into a position of prayer. I can pray for her right then. Now, let me, you don't, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but has anybody ever come to you and asked for prayer and your first thought is, uh, I am not ready to pray? You know, I mean, I can be honest. Personally, there have been moments in my life someone's come to me and they've asked me to pray for them and I'm thinking, oh yeah, my mind is not there right now, Lord. This is going to be, this is going to be up to you. <laughs> 
Now, I'm just, sometimes we have that position, and, and that's, that's what Thessalonians mean, is dealing with when it's saying to pray without ceasing. Our minds are in this state of preparedness. We're de- when you fall short of God's entire goal for your life, take care of it. Deal with it. Only you can do that. Take care of those things so that you can be in a prepared state. So 55% of the people pray at least once a day, 16% weekly, 6% monthly, 23% seldom or never pray. And they, so they started finding out what people pray for. And this is, this is pertinent to where we're going today. So people pray for family or friends most. Then they pray for their own problems or difficulties. I've got the statistics on the sheet. This is from LifeWay Research. So I want you to know these are real numbers for surveys that were done. Um, They pray for good things that have recently occurred. They pray about their own sin. Only 42% of the time do they pray about their own sin. People in natural disasters. God's greatness. My future prosperity. People of other faiths or of no faith. Government leaders. Only 12% of the people pray for government leaders. Celebrities in the public eye, 5%. And none of these was, you know, they, you know, 2% of the people surveyed didn't pray for any of these areas. So they really didn't talk about what they pray for, but it didn't include any of these topics. And so when you look at these things, prayer, although is important, what we pray for, how we pray, is not always understood. And yet, Scripture speaks so thoroughly on the topic of prayer. I'm going to give you a real quick synopsis on several of them. We're going to look at the book of James real quick. Verse chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So James gives us this synopsis on on prayer and the power of prayer and its benefit for our lives today. I'm going to give you just a real quick thing on uh, several of the things that James highlights. If you were to go into the book of James, James really deals a lot with different aspects of prayer. In James 4.2 he says that uh, one of the reasons we don't receive what we desire is we don't pray. If you don't pray, you're not going to get the things that you want from God. Now, you people say, well, but God knows. He does, but He says, I want you to ask. <laughs> he says, to him who asks, will receive. To him who seeks, will he find. To him who knocks, the door will be open. But you know what? If you want to stay on the outside, you're more than welcome. If we lack wisdom, James 1.5, we should pray. If we are suffering, James 5.13, we should pray. If we're sick, James 5.14, we should pray. Confessing our sins from one another in 5.16. If there's something you want from God, you should pray or have others pray for you. 
Okay, If you have something that you are seeking God for, it is your responsibility to learn to get on your face before God and to pray, to seek His face. Even though 83% of the people believe God answered their prayer in, at some point in some way, the, the reality is we understand most people don't pray as often as we should or with the level of passion and sincerity that we should. And the things that people say many times when challenged on the topic of prayer, they say these two things. I don't know how to pray and I don't know what to say. And when we look at those two areas, how to pray and what to say, I direct people back to God's Word. These sheets that I have printed for you, I didn't come up with them. Praise God, God did. I just printed them off for you. It took me lots of hours of research to put all these together so that you would have the ability to use God's Word to call these things out. Now, I could have just put... A hundred Bibles around the area. <laughs> but I know that as soon as we pick up that Bible, we think we get overwhelmed. Because we think, oh, how can I apply all of this? Well, you know what? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. I want you to take your time. I, I am not concerned that you memorize all of God's Word this year. But I am concerned that you read it and apply it. The book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah the prophet says, he has this cry that comes from within him in his writings, and he says, Thy word was found, and I did consume it, and thy word became for me the joy and rejoicing of my soul. So it's God's word that began to came. But see, it didn't start there. He had to consume it, and then God's word became his joy and his rejoicing because it informed his life. And, and Jeremiah only had a portion of the Old Testament that he was living off of. We have the entirety of God's Word. And if we would like to spend just a moment every day reading God's Word, God's Word can so inform our lives, it can challenge us and enlighten us and open us up to new things. Something that I think is important and it really speaks to where we started at last week is James 5.17 James pulls out Elijah, and we talked about Elijah last week, and that's why I think it's important that we look at this today. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So, Elijah gives us this model for prayer that we're going to go deeper in today. And today I've titled um, the sermon, um, Prevailing Prayer. And, and I think it's important for us to have this, this understanding of the word prevail. Um, and so we're going to look there um, just for a moment, and it, this is not in your notes, so that's okay, right? 
You can pull this up in your standard dictionary, which is what I did, and then I lost my page, so I'm going to go back to it. Praise God, I'm glad. I'm glad that my fingers still work and failing. Here we go. So this was important um, for us to understand this whole concept of prevail was found into, I hit the wrong button and deleted it. Well, that was great. Let me start over. Sometimes my fingers don't work as quick as I would like. Um, Prevail means to uh, succeed, to become dominant, to, excuse me, let me go a different word. You know, you have everything planned, you know, and then you hit the wrong button. (laughs) Praise God. Here we go. (laughs) Prevail means to prove more powerful than opposing forces, to be victorious, be widespread in a particular, to persuade. So when we're looking at prevailing prayer, it is this, this ability to become more powerful than other opposing forces. So I thought that was important that as we're looking at prevailing prayer, our prayers become this this powerful force to accomplish something significant for that which we are praying for. Now, I I, I understand that there are days our meals need a prevailing prayer. But that shouldn't be general situations. Most of us eat pretty safe meals. So we can't expect God to show up in great measure if all we do is pray over our food. If, if we're going to deal with prevailing prayers, we should have a format that gives us the ability to understand a little clearer what God is wanting to do. And 1 Kings 17 gives us this introduction of Elijah. God had... Uh, as in verse 1, it says, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. This ended up lasting three and a half years. So this was Elijah's introduction into King Ahab and his, his wife Jezebel. Um, he came in, he prophesied that there would be no rain. And for three and a half years, there was no rain. Now, King Ahab still had, still believed God, believed in God. He still prayed to Yahweh. Now, he also prayed to other pagan gods. So King Ahab, and he had a, Jezebel was a, a wicked woman. We, we, we know that. You, there's lots that you can read about her. Um, and there's people, when they say that she's a Jezebel, it flows out of the wickedness of this woman and really the a mentality that has brought forth from that. But King Ahab still had a belief in God 
And so he still came to God's prophets at various times. He prayed to Yahweh. And in many ways, now don't take offense to this, but in many ways he's similar to many of us. <laughs> because we have a belief in God and we pray to God, and yet we still lean into other things that we shouldn't. We look to other people to give us strength and support to provide answers for us rather than going to God's Word because it takes work to go to God's Word. It's not always easy and the answer is not always pleasant. The things that we need to do. This led up to an encounter that Elijah had with some of the other prophets that were informing King Ahab and his life. And there was this, this challenge between the prophets of Baal and Elijah. And they, they created these, this altar, and, and Elijah had set up this scenario where if, if, if Baal is God, then you know, he'll call down fire and consume this, this sacrifice. And, uh, and so they did all these things and they hurt themselves in trying to, to bring their God down to consume and nothing happened. And, and Elijah comes up and he, he covers his, his sacrifice in water and water is filling the, the, uh, the troughs all around and, and he prayed and the fire of heaven came down and consumed and, and all of Israel could understand that God, the real God, God Elijah's God was king. So that really was the scenario that played out in this. And it was in the midst of this that God speaks to Elijah again that now it is time that he's going to bring forth rain. And so 1 Kings 18, picking up at verse 41, we looked at it last week. We're going to read just a few of the verses here. Elijah talking to King Ahab again because God was still concerned for Ahab. God was still wanting to make his name known to King Ahab. God was wanting to make his name known to the children of Israel. And so he looked at King Ahab and he said, Go eat and drink. I can hear the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel he bent down on the ground, then he put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, go and look toward the sea, he told the servant. So he went up and looked, I don't see anything there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. And we look at this process, and we realize that God desires to do something, but, but first, the thing that we need to understand, prayer that prevail takes work. So <laughs> this week in our times of prayer, there were times that I tried to get into this position that Elijah got into. Now, let me just tell you, not always is praying in a comfortable position where we need to be. So this week, as I'm trying, number one, as I got down in this position, I thought, there is no way on earth, at this point in my life, I can get my head close enough to my knees. 
So I thought, Lord, you're going to have to work with me on this. So there would be times that I just nailed down and I put my face on the ground and I just began to pray and seek the face of God. And after praying a few minutes, I started thinking, this is not comfortable. There is definitely a better position to pray in. And God said, get back down there. Now it was at, it was during this time as I'm praying, God began to bring to mind that Elijah had gotten into this position and he began to pray. And as his servant came back to him with these reports that nothing was happening or that there was nothing to see, Elijah, it doesn't tell us that Elijah ever stood up during this time. He sent him back. So in this time period of prayer, Elijah began to pray and seek God. And seven times he sent his servant back, servant back to hear for what God wanted to do. So Elijah had gone to the top of Mount Carmel. Outside of, of all of the other people that were present... And he began to pray and seek God. He got into a position that was not comfortable so that he would automatically have this urgency in his system. When you're uncomfortable, there's a new level of urgency that develops. I found that out. The longer I stayed there, the more I wanted to see God move quicker. You know what? When you're getting ready to be thrown into a fiery furnace, you pray more fervently than if there is no potential for any harm to come. And so as I began to pray and seek God this week, there was a new level of fervency that began to develop in my life because I was uncomfortable. And God began to work with me on praying for uncomfortable things. See, prayer that prevail takes work. That's number one. Prevailing prayer takes persistence. Elijah, seven times. How many times should we pray for a specific thing? Is seven the maximum number? No. <laughs> I say you pray until. Until what? Until God does it. Keep praying. Now, is God deaf? No. God hears us. God hears us on our first cry. When we pray with persistence, what we are doing is praying. It, we're showing God how important those things are to us. <laughs> Sometimes we make that, that passing prayer and we'll say, well, I've checked that box. I've prayed. So now the rest of it's up to me. And you can live that way, and many of us do. I am a doer. I was dealing with that this week. I am a doer. I, I am more comfortable doing than waiting and having things done for me. And so as I talked to my wife about this week, and I look back over my, my history with God, anytime I felt God was acting slower than I liked, I became a doer. I did it for him. Is anybody else, has anybody else ever done God's work because you didn't want to wait any longer? That one prayer, God didn't, bam, he didn't meet it. 
Now, granted, there, we've had some prayers that I've prayed for years. And I, I get to that place where I just want to go out and do it because I'm tired of waiting. But God is saying to pray. To keep at it until He saw an answer. And I want to challenge you to pray until God answers for you. Number three, prayer, prayer that prevails takes risk. Elijah prayed for rain. Now number one, he, he was willing when God sent him out, he prayed that it would not rain. Because God was wanting to get the attention of King Ahab. So first off, he prays that it won't rain. Now that's a big prayer, right? He prays that it won't rain. And three and a half years, it did not rain. Now, King Ahab and all of Israel is getting desperate. And so now he's praying that it will rain again. Now that's a bold, that's a risky prayer. Because what happens if it doesn't rain? <laughs> People look at you. It's like, are you, you know what they did to false prophets back then? They stoned them. <laughs> So if you came out as a prophet and what you prayed for didn't happen, they stoned you. They didn't put up with you. If you were saying you were a mouthpiece for God and what you said didn't happen, your life was taken. So Elijah was risking a lot in his prayer. And yet, I look at our prayers and how many of our prayers risk anything. I mean, reality is we don't even, like I shared earlier, most of us don't even get into an uncomfortable position when we pray. <laughs> Sometimes kneeling down is uncomfortable, right? The older you get, getting on the ground is hard. <laughs> and yet, God wants us to, to pray, to be uncomfortable, to work at it, to risk something. Not just these vague things that really, if God doesn't do it, it doesn't change your life. God is wanting us to pray in such a way that our lives will be changed as a result of what we pray for. As a matter of fact, I was reading in this book, Tony Evans is an author I've enjoyed reading through the years. He has a book out called Kingdom Women. And he talks about an evangelistic crusade he spoke at several years ago at the University of South Carolina football stadium, an outdoor open-air stadium. The weather, weather report had predicted rain. In fact, it, it had said there would be a storm. And they had 25,000 people that were gathered in this stadium for this event. Um, and as the crusade was beginning to begin, the storm clouds were forming. So Tony and the other leaders and organizers of the crusade went down into the belly of this area to pray. And as they were praying, they were praying prayers like, Dear God, please hold back the rain. And if it's your will, God, you could hold back that rain. And in the midst of their praying, he, she, he said that this, this little petite woman named Linda came forward. I like that he highlighted that this little petite woman. And she had gotten frustrated with the prayers of the so-called, quote, professionals, the preachers and the leaders. So whatever the case, Linda stood up and asked, do you mind if I pray? <laughs> and he said, what else could we said, but go ahead. I mean, our, she, he was saying, you know, our prayers weren't doing anything. 
So Linda prayed, Lord, your name is at stake. We told these people that if they would come out tonight, they would hear a word from God. We told them they would hear from you. Now if they come and you let it rain, you don't control the weather. Then you will look bad. We told them that you wanted to say something to them, and if you don't keep back what you can control, the weather, someone could say your name is no good. And then she threw in a line that caused us all to look at each other out of the corners of our eyes. Therefore, right now I ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the rain to stop for the sake of your name. With that, we opened our eyes. Eyebrows went up. All we could say and think was, whoa, (laughs) did she really just pray that? Following the prayers, we all went up and sat on the platform. The sky had now become entirely black behind us. A guy who had been assigned to communicate directly with the weather bureau said, the showers are coming. There are heavy thunderstorms and they are coming right at us. It is now 7 p.m. and the music is beginning. It is time to start the crusade when massive thunder and lightning surrounded us. People began to stir in their seats. Some even started getting open up and opened their umbrellas. Linda was on the stage with the rest of us. A quiet look of expectation covered her face. Then something happened that I had only seen once in my entire life. The rain rushed towards the stadium like a wall of water. Yet when it hit the stadium, it split. Half of the rain went one side and half on the other. Then it literally met on the other side of the stadium. And all the while, Linda sat there with a confident look on her face. The rest of us, the preachers and leaders, just looked at each other. Then we looked at Linda. Linda looked straight ahead. I believe God paid special attention to Linda's prayer because she had great faith. She understood that his name presented his character and that God is passionate about his own reputation. Her petite frame held power simply because she was intimately connected with and invested in God's name. So church, what are you risking when you pray? Will anything matter? Be anything different when you're done praying? See, the fourth lesson from our prayer time is prayer that prevails takes understanding God's will. God wanted to send rain to Israel. That's why Elijah had come back. God wanted to send prayer. God wanted to answer. We dealt with that in, in, in 1 Kings 18.1. God told him, go and present yourself because it's going to rain. Church, these promises throughout the sanctuary are promises for you. God didn't write a book because he needed to sell something. Because God doesn't need to sell anything. God doesn't need your money. God God doesn't need you to buy a Bible so that you can, you know, support him and and expand the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) It's going to expand regardless. There was a time where, you know, Jesus, you know, spoke um, because they were saying, you know, talking about paying taxes, and and he told them to go down to the lake and to get get this, you know, this fish would, I don't know if it came to him when he walked to the lake, I don't know how it happened, but the fish came there, and uh, there was a coin in his mouth, the fish's mouth, and he paid his taxes. So God can come up with money if he needs to come up with money. You know, God speaks and, and things happen. He's better than E.F. Hutton. And some of you don't even know who he is. But that's all right. So that wasn't the issue 
of understanding God. God, you have to understand God's will. And you have to understand what God's word says to you. That is why it is so, what Seth was telling us earlier, that we need to be men and women who are committed to knowing the word of God. It's because when you know God's word, you can pray God's word, and God's word will produce in your life that which he desires. But if you don't know it, my grandkids that live with me, they come and they whisper in my ear that if, if they can get a couple of jelly beans. Now, I have a, I have a source of jelly beans in my home. My, my grandchildren know that. But they also know that all they have to do is come and talk to me. Now, there are t- I don't give in to them every time. I, you guys may probably think, oh, you give them everything you, they want. No, not everything. But there are times they know that they'll come to me and, and they will get some jelly beans from Papa. I take care of them. You know what? God wants to take care of us. God doesn't just want to meet our basic needs for survival. He's a better father than that. See, I know that who I am as a father and grandfather, I didn't learn it from a natural father. I learned it from my heavenly father. When I read God's word and I see how much he wants to bless us as his children, man, I am overwhelmed with how much he loves me. There are things that God has blessed me with in my life that I had no way to ever earn it or deserve it. But God didn't, God didn't base his blessing upon whether I earned it or deserved it. He did it because he loves me. How many of you does God love? Man, I was hoping all of you raised your hand, but you'll get there. God loves you all. You're all important to him. Now, the problem is some of you may not realize God loves you. God wants to bless you. When we pray, we need to think about why God should want to answer our prayers. John 14, 14 says, You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. But what are you asking for? What is it that you believe God wants to do? Church, I know I continue to challenge you in these areas, but I do it because I believe God wants to do something. Back to our verse 17 that James illustrated for us, um, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He's like us. We have just as much ability to come before God and present our needs as Elijah did. And sometimes we think, oh, he was a prophet of God. He, I, there's no way I could pray like Elijah prayed. James says no. He was, he was just like you and I. He just said yes to God. Now you can read, <laughs> Elijah made mistakes. I, I am so thankful that God portrays to us some of the mistakes that his, his great servants did so that we realize it's not always doing it right. Sometimes you fall short. But this year is a year that I believe God wants you to begin to really believe and pray for those things because you know His will and that He wants to do something significant, something amazing in your life. God wants to do it. Gabriel, what did God do for your family just a couple weeks ago? 
Sold your house. Praise God. How long had your house been on the market? A year and a half. <laughs> Is God able to answer our prayers? But you know what? But you prayed, and God answered. Now, sometimes it's that prevailing prayer. When we moved here, we had a house in South Dakota, and we prayed three and a half years. <laughs> it's like this drought that Elijah <laughs> went in. Three and a half years before we, God saw us sell that house. We never missed a payment in those three and a half years. God took care of us. But I'm just telling you, what are you risking for God? I'm not asking you to just pray for a million dollars. Now, you can pray for a million. I'm not saying God won't. I'm just telling you. What are you risking? Do your prayers actually matter? Lord, bless this broccoli has to just fall short of God's ears sometimes. I say that because some of you hate broccoli. I love cooked broccoli. Thinking about food right now. That's a hard thing last week, you know, as you're going through prayer and fasting, you think of all the meals. Sometimes when you're sitting down to pray and think, yeah, I'd be sitting down praying over a meal right now. Lord, thank you. <laughs> but church, I, I just want you to know, um, <laughs> this week I was so amazed. Every night, starting last Sunday, we had people coming up and writing prayers. Now, do you know who wrote the majority of these prayers? <laughs> yeah. Does that make you feel bad that our children were more willing to risk and write, and they wrote their names on them? <laughs> you guys will write out a prayer, and it'll be to an unknown person about an unknown situation because we're afraid to risk. And yet our children, they put the name of the person they were praying for and they signed their name. <laughs> That's why I think God says, you know, unless you become as little children, you'll never in inherit the kingdom of God because he's saying we are, so, we are so tied up in who we are and we're afraid to risk anything. We're afraid to put our name on the line regarding the things that we're praying for because if it doesn't happen, we're afraid it's a reflection of who we are and reality is it's a reflection of our understanding of the very character and nature of God and when we don't pray with a level of passion and sincerity and understanding with a desire to see God move the reason it doesn't happen is not because of God it's because of us we need to learn to get on our faces before God and pray and call down heaven because we are living in a day and an age that our prayers can literally make the difference standing the gap for those that we love. Church, I believe God wants to do something in you this year. And I'm praying that God will. And you know what? Even if you don't, I believe God's going to do it because I'm lifting your name up. This week... I called out your name before God. And I prayed a blessing over you as I was going down and listing off each person who's been attending over the last year. I began to pray and believe for God to do something significant in your life. Because I believe God wants to.
whether you believe it or not. And you know what will happen if you get on the same page with God and I'm on the same page and, and there are two of us agreeing together for anything, Scripture says it'll happen. And if you're wondering why your marriage is not on the same page with God, are you both are on this? Are you both on the same page? Do you and your spouse want the same thing? Do you want God to show up in the same way? Because if you don't, what in the world makes us think that God is going to honor our prayers if we're going different directions? Prevailing prayer. God wants us to believe that there is a greater force on our side than against us. Scripture says, greater is he that is within us than he that is in this world. That the exact same power that helped Jesus Christ rise from the dead dwells within us and he's going to quicken these mortal bodies. Church, as we get on our faces before God and we begin to seek Him and we begin to cry out, we say, Lord, we want You to show up! God begins to move and do something on behalf of His children. Sorry, Aubrey. Oh, church, God wants to move, but we need to be willing to call on Him. Worship team, come. We're going to pray for a little bit. Now I know, I know that it will be easier to run out the doors than to begin to call on God. But listen, up here on this table are some sheets. And there's some little three-by-five cards. And I challenge you to start writing down some prayers, some risky prayers that God's willing to put out there, that you're willing to believe God to do this situation, this specific thing in your life that you have needed God to do for years. Whether it be a new job, whether it be a, a family situation, deliverance from a, a bondage of some sort, I don't know what it is for you. But let me just tell you, if you will risk writing it out and then share with someone else, because as soon as you share it with someone else, the challenge is this. Other people know what God needs to do. And so I'm going to, while our worship team plays, we're going to go through a song. And I'm going to invite you to come and pray. And then I'll close it. We don't, you know what? We don't have to spend the next six hours here. Because I believe this. You've been sitting here for the last 45 minutes. <laughs> if God hasn't been moving on you to want to pray differently... The next six hours won't change that. But if you, if God is moving on you and working in you to do something different, to take you somewhere new, then as God, as God does this, as our, as our musicians play, I'm going to invite you to come to write these things out.
And then I'm going to close this at the conclusion of this song. So you have one song to get up here to pray, to write these things down. Then I'll close our time and we'll receive our offering. But uh, I just want you to obey God. So you come, worship team. Thank you, Lord.
Some were asking, if you want to put your name on your things and put them on the table here, then we'll call out your name with these needs. I put mine up there, and we're going to have a prayer station in this back corner that all these are going to be displayed on, and you can put them there, and we'll pray for you. Throughout this week, we're going to continue to call on your name, on calling the name of God for the needs that you've listed. Every week as people gather, we have people that are here every, almost every Wednesday and every Sunday and sometimes during the week. And, and as uh, these needs are being met, what we're going to believe and pray for is that you share those, those, those answers. Sorry, I missed that. That's because I wasn't talking to you, Siri. As we begin to see God move and we testify of what God's done, it will encourage others. Next Sunday is our after our, our morning service will be our annual business meeting. If you are a, a partner with us, I do have copies of our budget for next year and we encourage you to pick those up from me before you leave. Um, everyone is invited to attend. We want your feedback. We want you to be part of what God's doing. Also, next Sunday, um, I'm hoping I'm going to have them in place. We're, we're going to begin to work through um, this book as a church. It's called The Great Commandment Principle. It is marrying the, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. So great, great commandment thinking with great commandment or great commission living, uh, going out and loving on one another. This is something that as a region, our region is working with uh, the Great Commandment Network to do this. So as a church, we're going to give each of you a copy of this that would like to be part of this. Um, and what we're praying is that you're going to be able to start applying some of these principles to your life. There's going to be a preaching series that will come out of this. Uh, I'll get several of our uh, different pastors in-house to uh, take a message from this and be able to preach that uh, over the months to come. Uh, we'll talk about it in Sunday school. Uh, we'll talk about it at other times. We'll have some special groups. We're going to do some little Facebook Live uh, little clips on it we'll have different people share we're going we're really going to promote this a lot uh, this year uh, my wife and I have been attending uh, uh, training on this Willie's been to one of the trainings we're going to get some others come to a training that is in March so if this is something where you feel like you'd love to be part of the the process and implementation of some of this or in promote promotion we invite you to come along with us talk to us um, but I'm excited about it. I want you to be part um, so I'm going to give you a book. It's not going to cost you anything. I'm not asking any money from you. We're going to give you a book so that you can um, begin to read through this, process it, because I guarantee you that if you begin to implement the things that, again, this stuff flows out of God's Word. Um, throughout the book are various scriptures. It, it really is Acts, uh, Acts 2 Living. Um, talks about the early church and how God really instituted the whole process of the New Testament church. Um, coming about and so we want you to be part of it 
Um, it's where we're going as a church. I believe it, run, it, is, it is right in line with what we've already been preparing for over the last couple years. And so I want you to be aware of that. So that's next Sunday. Uh, we have uh, our annual business meeting, and hopefully we'll have these books. JP, you've got something? The chili cook-off last year, did you win that? You didn't win? We didn't do one last year. Lou was dethroned this last year. I won. We didn't do one last year. We didn't do it last year. It was the year before. Should have been Sarah. Just saying. Should have been Sarah. <laughs> Like a half a day. So they're not, it's not like they have to miss the whole day unless they want to. Yeah, so we can get it approved for religious purposes. So we'll get a note for you on that. And if you're homeschool, you have to talk to your parents. I'm not, that's up to your parents here. So, all right. Ushers, come. We're going to wait upon you for morning tithes and offering. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to give. We pray your blessing on this offering that would multiply to, and further your kingdom. And we just thank you for the opportunity to give. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Once the ushers are beyond you, love on one another. <laughs>